Good afternoon. Welcome to the Econews Report. I'm your host this week, Annie Maher, Programs Coordinator at the North Coast Environmental Center. The Econews Report is an exclusive feature of KHSU, brought to you by the North Coast Environmental Center, publisher of our regional environmental newspaper, Econews. Don't forget you can find this show and other KHSU public affairs shows on KHSU's audio archives page at khsu.org. And today my guest is Morgan King, Climate Action Analyst for Humboldt State University. Thanks for being on the Econews Report today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So a little background. Humboldt State University has long prided itself in being a leader in sustainability. They have adopted a climate action plan that was released to the public in March 2017, which aims to make the campus carbon neutral by 2030. One of the most recent steps towards hitting that goal is the Zagster Bike Share Program adopted this fall. One of several transportation measures, including Zimride, Zipcar, and the Jack Pass, all aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions at the university. Our guest, Morgan King, works at the Office of Sustainability, which addresses many of these initiatives. So to start, why don't you tell us a bit about your position as the Climate Action Analyst at HSU and what that job entails? Sure. So this position was created in the spring following the the release of our climate action plan. And as the climate action analyst, I'd say that my primary role is to help facilitate the strategies that were included in the plan, as well as help foster some broader sustainability programs and projects we'd like to see integrated into not just the, the culture of the campus, but the curriculum and the operations of the campus as well. So it's a pretty exciting time. There's a lot of interest in what we're trying to do. So there's a lot of common ground and allies out there that are helping with this effort. And isn't this one of the first climate-based positions in the CSU system? Well, I'd say by title it is, but there are a lot of sustainability officers on the CSU campuses that are doing similar work. We by no means were the first campus to adopt a climate action plan, but by title, yeah, I I guess I am the first climate-focused employee of a university. Congratulations. Thanks. So what are some of those primary components that are in the climate action plan that you're working to facilitate? Well, our our climate action plan is in some parts tied to a California State University system-wide sustainability policy, which calls for campuses to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions to 1990 levels by 2020, and then to further reduce emissions to 80% below 1990 levels by 2040. As you mentioned before, while we were in the the middle of developing our climate action plan, President Rossbacher made it a a goal, a stretch goal for the campus to achieve carbon neutrality by 2030. So it's a it's a pretty significant challenge, but you know, what the main thing that we're focusing on with our climate action plan is to reduce our facilities emissions to those targets and by by facilities I'm including greenhouse gas emissions associated with the combustion of natural gas on campus, which we use primarily for heating our buildings, heating water, also emissions associated with our campus fleet. So these are emissions that are generated on campus. But then also we include within that the emissions at the power plant that are generated based on the electricity that we consume on our campus. So we're, we're taking responsibility for 
those emissions that are generated off campus. But we went a step further with our climate action plan to include strategies to reduce other indirect emissions that stem from transportation, from faculty, staff, and student commute to and from campus, also from business travel and emissions associated with campus solid waste. So we ended up with 50 strategies within those areas of of energy and utility resource conservation and reductions within solid waste purchasing and food. Also within curriculum. So we're looking at how we can better integrate sustainability into the curriculum, how we can deepen a level of engagement across campus around sustainability issues, not just increasing awareness of the issues, but engendering people to actually be active participants in our efforts, as well as being having those skills and knowledge that they can then take with them upon graduation into whichever community they land in. So it's a very broad plan with strategies ranging you know, across the boards, not just our infrastructure and our operations. And we're moving forward. Awesome. So the record of progress over the years is an accumulation of all those different factors, the waste management and the energy from the source. and Absolutely. You know, a, a, key, a key focal point is the interrelationship of the activities on campus. So, you know, if we're, if we're looking at a, a water savings project, oftentimes there's an energy savings component associated with that. So we look at those intersections to help us prioritize what projects make the most sense for initial implementation. So Zagster is, that's how you say it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> is new to HSU, and that's in accordance with this climate action plan. So could you tell us a little about what the program is and how it works? Zagster, just by way of a, a little bit of history, the, the campus was looking at some form of a, of a bike share program for a number of years. And it was, although the interest was there, and, and we actually... We did multiple surveys, campus-wide surveys, to gauge the level of interest for the campus community on having some kind of a bike share program. And the level of interest was always high, but our campus has a lot of hills, and it's a small campus. So we're not like, I'd say, UC Davis, where it's a it's a very large campus, and it's flat, and it makes a lot of sense for someone to want to pick up a bike at one end of campus to be able to get to a class on the opposite side of campus. At HSU, it, it's it's a different ballgame. You know, people don't necessarily need to pick up a bike to cross campus in time to, to get to class. So Yeah, that was my question. My first question looking at it, too, is, is it meant to de- decrease the emissions from class to class, like transportation or within the city itself? Well, yeah. So we saw it, we we really saw it as something that could work if it was, if it was geared more towards developing a stronger connectivity between the campus and the broader community. And through that, one of the, the advantages to it would be that, you know, here we have another thing in our arsenal to demonstrate to incoming students that 
they do not need to bring a car with them. You know, as you mentioned, we we have we already have a, a car share program called Zipcar. We have a rideshare program called Zimride. We have, you know, a, a transit program called Jackpass. And here's just one more thing. A student, faculty, staff member, community member can pick up a bike on campus and, you know, they can take it into town. They can take it pretty much wherever and return after a certain period of time and not have to worry about ownership of a bike, not have to worry about maintenance. So for, uh, you know, for some people, the attraction was more about not having to worry about parking. So, you know, for someone that wants to run into town just for lunch, they can pick up a bike. And then when they get back to campus, they don't, they're not circling around campus for 10 minutes trying to find a parking space. So we, the, the campus actually partnered with the city of Arcata to develop this bike share program. And currently, as of, of the middle of September, two bike stations have been installed. There's one at the Jolly Giant Commons, and there's one near Harry Griffith Hall. Each station has five bikes. And within the next couple of weeks, I've been told by the city, they will be ready to install the four stations that they've committed to. One will be at the the transit center. One, at least one, will be on the plaza. I believe there will be one near the co-op, and then I'm not sure where the the fourth will end up. But you know, ultimately, what we really see is a fantastic opportunity to increase that connectivity with the city. So they'll be in. When did you say in a couple? In a few weeks, or yeah, the oh, so the the quick. two stations at. HSU were installed in September, and we already have, last time I checked, it was close to 100 members, which is pretty exciting. This time of year, I don't think the bikes are getting used that much, but definitely saw a lot of use happening before the rain started. But the city is preparing to install their four stations within the next couple of weeks. So once you rent the bike, you can drop it off at any other station, right? So you could bike to Arcata and then leave it in Arcata or bike to the university and leave it there? Correct. There's there's a couple different memberships. So if, if you were interested in, in becoming a Zaxter member, you would sign up through their, their app and it costs $2 per hour up to $30 per ride if you become an, what's called an hourly member. There's also, you know, if you, if you think that you would be using the bike fairly often, then it might make more sense for you to consider a $20 annual membership. And when you sign up as an annual member, that gives you the first hour free every time you, you borrow a bike. I like that that possibility because th- I think that that helps incentivize those quick trips. You know, you can if you're going into town just for an hour, it's free every time you do that. Once the city has their stations in place, if you just ride from one station to another station, it will always be free. So, if if you're if your ride's going to be for a longer period of time, there is two integrated locks on the bike, so you can lock up anywhere. You don't have to directly park at a station, but between your ride, you can park anywhere, and then your ride would conclude once it is back at a Zaxter station. But it could be it could be any Zaxter station. It doesn't have to be the the same one that you start from. 
So you said it maybe isn't getting a lot of use right now, probably because of the rainy season and everything. But have you gotten any other feedback or usage so far? Or were there any concerns going into it before people started using it? Yeah, the we've so far we've been getting tremendous response, very positive. And I think it's only going to explode once the city gets their stations in. It's for me, it's it's great to be following the Eco News report. I believe it was last week where they talked about the Humboldt Bay Trail because, you know, we see another great opportunity for the bike share program to be utilized for people to to use the bikes for recreation on that trail. We've actually been in discussion with the city of Eureka. They've expressed interest in joining a, a regional bike share program. So, you know, feasibly one day you might be able to pick up a, a bike from Arcata, ride it along the, the bike trail to Eureka, drop it off at a station there. But, yeah, as, as I mentioned, you know, the, the, the original challenge was, you know, finding a program that, that would seem to work given, you know, the hills and the small population that we have compared to uh, more of the, the, the larger urban populations that have had a lot of success with bike share programs. But, you know, we did our homework. Zaxter really fit with what we were looking for for this community. And so far, we're really happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I could see a lot of use and especially being able to jump from the university to Arcata, especially considering so many people live, so many students live really close to the university. I know I could have used it today, even just jumping from the office. All right. It'd be really nice. This is the Eco News Report. My name is Annie Maher. My guest today is Morgan King, Climate Action Analyst at Humboldt State University, discussing climate policy at HSU. So your position also involves waste management. Has anything changed in how HSU manages its solid waste since the Climate Action Plan was adopted? In some ways, yes. In other ways, no. But I don't necessarily see that as that big of an issue because the, the campus prior to the Climate Action Plan was really committed to waste reduction. When I took on the position of Climate Action Analyst, facilities management actually hired someone to step in as the waste and recycling and grounds coordinator, which is very exciting. You know, we have we have someone that's dedicated now to managing our, our recycling and waste management operations. I would say that, that one focus is zero waste at this point. And where we're trying to reorient that conversation is more around the zero waste hierarchy where composting and recycling, while important, are really at the bottom of your list. Really what where we want to go with the campus decision-making and operational attitude is that first we want to rethink, you know, what it is that we're, we're purchasing, that we're consuming on this campus. What can we cut out? What is unnecessary? What is redundant? Secondly, we want to be looking at reuse, repurposing, how can we also integrate better manufacturer and vendor responsibility? So, for example, when we start vetting potential contractors for a project, how can we include some type of scoring criteria within their proposal that looks at how they're going to handle their waste? How can we start working with 
you know, companies that are shipping materials to us to either have them take back packaging or reduce or even eliminate it altogether. So we want to we want to start doing things like that, prioritizing things like that, and then you know when we when we're still left with a waste stream, how can we be more responsible with it? So you know that that means continuing and expanding our food waste diversion program. And I'm sure many yeah many listeners probably have a good idea of what we've been doing or has been done at HSU with waste management. But for those who haven't, do you want to talk a little bit more about that the diversion project and other initiatives that the university has taken with waste management? Well, it's 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 pretty broad, you know, and again it's, you know, we're we're trying to look at this this broader zero waste hierarchy and start to really integrate these other tiers above recycling and compost, but this this summer HSU won a best practices award for a food recovery program where we're looking at how we can, you know, reduce food waste, but not prioritize composting. Rather, let's make sure that any leftover food is actually getting back to people first and foremost. Whatever is left, then we can start looking at how that food can either go to animals or eventually go to compost. But we've, we've been working closely with the food pantry, the OSNAP food pantry on campus, as well as HSU dining services to develop some processes whereby leftover food from dining or from catering is getting to the OSNAP food pantry. They're able to get it out to students. Dining services has also done a, a tremendous amount to reduce the overprep of food, as well as to figure out creative ways to to take leftovers and integrate them into other meals. So it's it's kind of become a cyclical process in many ways. So that's that's one example. We we continue to work on expanding our recycling and and composting operations. So on a CSU level. The sustainability policy does call for campuses to reduce their solid waste disposal by 80% by 2020 and then move to zero waste. So we're, we're trying to position ourselves to, to do that. And on top of all this, this year, HSU completed the Sustainability Tracking and Rating System, or STARS, developed by the Association for the Advancement of Sustainability in Higher Education. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Yeah, right? But that's the second time the university has done that, right? The first being Mm -hmm. in 2013. Yeah. So what were the results of this year's report? To summarize it, in 2013, we got a silver and in 2016, we got a gold. <laughs> so the, yeah, it's, it's a rating system. So it's based on a, a self-assessment that then is, is, is further vetted by ISHI, the Association for Advancement of Sustainability in Higher Ed. But it, it looks across all, all components of a campus, looking at operations, infrastructure, utilities consumption, resident life, curriculum, policies and decision-making, everything you could imagine looking at how sustainability is integrated into the operations and decision-making and the culture of a campus. And 
We received a gold. The highest you can achieve is a platinum. So we were very excited about that. And I think one one potentially more exciting aspect of this process is that the campus is serious about utilizing STARS as a means for improvement. So currently our office is looking at where the campus didn't do as well. And we're going back out to the campus over the next year to engage stakeholders on in these areas where we can improve and then start working with them to achieve more results. So stay tuned. Next time we go through this, this, this rating system, we hope to do even better. Are you planning on doing it regularly from now on or every year? It's, it's generally done every two years. Every two years. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So you also talked about integrating the curriculum with sustainability measures or ideals. How, are, how is that done or how is that kind of communicated between facilities and the, and the academics of things? It, yeah, that's that's been a little bit of a challenge, as you mentioned, because our sustainability office is housed in facilities management. We don't have any position similar to mine or any within the, the sustainability office on the academic side. So we're constantly reaching out, but we have made some significant inroads. I mean, the, the our academics already embrace sustainability and, you know, they're already including sustainability concepts in many of the courses and even courses outside of your your traditional natural resources or science-based courses. So I'll give you one example. We've over the past few years we've been working with faculty members on a program called Campus as a Living Lab where a a faculty member can utilize the campus sustainability issue or topic on the campus as the context for for instruction for that particular course. So we've worked with a faculty member in environmental sciences on teaching his students how to do whole building energy audits. And we currently actually just submitted a proposal to work with a film class on developing sustainability films. So that's an exciting way that that we can kind of bridge over to the academic side, and but still use the campus as that focal point for instruction. Especially with majors like film that maybe don't receive that in their day-to-day curriculum. Yeah, that's the that's the hope is that you know just through that process they're gaining the skills that they need for that particular class, but they're also learning more about sustainability issues and what role that they might have in moving things forward. So are there any other ways HSU or Office of Sustainability has considered climate protection and its daily operations or anything coming up with the Office of Sustainability? Wow, that's <laughs> yeah, a big Yeah, I know one. it's a big question. Yeah. Or just any other stuff going on at the university that's worth noting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's been a lot of changes recently with you know the, the leadership. We've had some changes, you know, our vice presidents and directors and the so one you know one thing that we're currently working on is kind of developing a a formal means for overseeing campus-wide sustainability efforts so for the past couple of months i've been working with a professor by the name of jim graham on developing a uh, advisory committee on sustainability 
And we're about to have our first meeting. It's actually going to be next week of this committee. But the intent there is that we have a body that can help shape and oversee these broader sustainability efforts and then be able to then advise the, the leadership about how they can either support or, you know, throw some of their weight behind some of the efforts that we're trying to implement on campus. But we expect the, the heavy lifting for that committee to start in the spring. Awesome. So how can people find out more about the Climate Action Plan or where can they go to find out info on Zagster? Is there a good online resource? Absolutely. For any, any of our transportation-related programs, you know, we, we mentioned Zipcar, Zimride, Jackpass, as well as Zaxter. We also have a carpool program. You can find out about that by going to www.parking.humboldt.edu. And for our Climate Action Plan, the, the CSU sustainability policy that I mentioned, and other related plans and policies, you can go to www.humboldt.edu backslash sustainability to download those plans. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me. So this has been the Eco News Report. My name is Annie Maher, and I've been your host for the past half hour. My guest today was Morgan King, Climate Action Analyst at Humboldt State University, discussing climate policy at HSU. You can find more information at the Office of Sustainability's website at humboldt.edu slash sustainability or at, on the Arcata Zagster website at bike.zagster.com slash Arcata. If you'd like to replay this interview or share it with others, you can go to the public affairs page on the KHSU website at khsu.org. These programs are archived f- after they air. Previous shows are posted on KHSU's website at khsu.org. You can also find our podcasts on iTunes. Previous shows are archived on the North Coast Environmental Center's website at urnec.org. If you have any questions or comments about this program, please call KHSU's listener comment line at 826-6089. The Econews Report is produced for KHSU, located at Humboldt State University in cooperation with the North Coast Environmental Center. Many thanks to Fred McLaughlin for engineering. Join us for the next Econews Report. 